0: The reality now is that there are these sanctions, and uh, I don't frankly see why the U.S. government would lift those sanctions and also leave behind Paul and another U.S. Marine, and now Brittany Griner, um, American citizens who are being wrongfully detained by the Russian government.
1: Some of my clients have family members, close family, back home in Russia. And unfortunately, they can't publicly speak or say certain things.
2: I don't see anything in the pipeline that tells me Detroit's gonna get to $5. It's not impossible that who knows what Putin does down the road, that that could happen. But for today, I'm telling you, I see no reason that Detroit is going to get there.
3: You're listening to Pod Sui, the week's top story served a la carte. Subscribe at thegreatvoice.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Paul Whelan of Novi has been detained in a Russian work camp since being arrested in Moscow in 2018 on charges of espionage. Since then, the United States has been trying to work with the Russian government to free Whelan, who maintains his innocence. So how will Russia's invasion of Ukraine and the subsequent deterioration of relations with the U S affect the efforts to free Paul Whalen, his brother, David on all talk with Tom Jordan and Kevin Dietz.
0: I think in general, it creates an opportunity. Obviously uh, it, if the sanctions are impacting the Russian government as much as we think they will, then the relationship between the US government and the Russian government is going to be much worse than it has been. And and it was actually, it seemed to be getting better after the Biden administration came in and there were a lot more contacts. We had some hope that things were changing even as early as in early February. Um, But the reality now is that there are these sanctions and uh, I don't frankly see why the US government would lift those sanctions and also leave behind Paul and another US Marine and now. Brittany Greiner, um, American citizens who are being wrongfully detained by the Russian government, uh, there doesn't seem to be a reason to leave behind Americans when the sanctions are in place and and can stay in place until the Americans are released.
4: Would this be entirely Vladimir Putin's call uh, to release your brother? And if so, as you as you watch and see these reports of people questioning, you know how he's doing. Uh, w- what are your thoughts on on the ability to get Putin to to do that?
0: I think it has always been his choice, uh, his individual choice. I don't know that it, it was as clear before. I think we always hope it, hoped that perhaps the uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs or the Ministry of Justice in Russia might have had some say in uh, getting Paul's release to happen, obviously in cooperation with the U.S. government. But uh, yes, I think increasingly it is uh, that individual's uh, choice, and. Uh, um, it's just really hard to know which way uh, President Putin is blowing in the wind. Uh, he doesn't seem to want to give up anything. Um, and yet I think if his uh, country reaches a disaster or if he is in a position where uh, his people start to rise up uh, against the, uh, the devastation that's happening to their economy and so on. And obviously all the uh, many people that the Russians are murdering in Ukraine and the soldiers, uh, the Russian soldiers who are dying in that war, um, then he may be looking for reasons to, uh, to let Paul go.
5: Hopefully so. I mean, he doesn't like his own people. Obviously, he doesn't seem like certainly doesn't like the civilians in Ukraine. Uh, Secretary of State Antony Blinken, he says that the the U.S. Embassy in Russia, they've been working on your case. Uh, Well, they've got their hands full right now with all that's happening over there and the staff there appears to be shrinking uh, or could be. There's concern that the embassy could even close. How would that impact your case in, in trying to get Paul out of Russia?
0: It wouldn't necessarily impact his release, but it would impact our ability to support him because right now they're our only uh, regular link to Paul. And so while mm-hmm. Paul is somewhat insulated from the war in the prison, um, our ability to get him money for his prison account, which allows him to buy you know fresh fruits and vegetables in the prison, which you don't get, um, or medication, uh, which is not provided by the prison. Um, our ability to put money onto his phone card so that he can call our parents regularly all of that would stop because we wouldn't have a, a method to get U.S. dollars into uh, Russia because, again, all of the sanctions that are there, U.S. Embassy facilitates all that. Um, and and we're, we're not Russian speakers either, so we don't really have the ability to communicate with anybody in Russia. We rely on the U.S. Embassy to do that. So if they are uh, ever in a position where they have to leave, and as you say, they have already dropped from, uh, they had about 1,200 staff in uh, 2017. They're now down to about 120, uh, and I think in the June, because of their retaliatory uh uh, steps that the Russians have been taking, that number is going to drop down to about 85. So it, it really is becoming a, a difficult thing. And those people are doing just amazing work for Paul. Uh, we couldn't have been any happier with what the USMC in Moscow is doing.
5: Well, that's really good to hear. I mean, it's just got to be incredibly difficult for, for him and for you and your sister and your family. Uh, he, Paul, is he's just a number, one of a number of Americans uh, there right now who are imprisoned. prison. Uh, there's Trevor Reed from Texas. You mentioned him, Brittany Griner from the WNBA. She's in custody now. Have you been in contact at all with their families or their attorneys? And is there a way to maybe try to gain some leverage somehow by working with these other families of these other prisoners?
0: The families, certainly the Reed family so far, uh, um, our family has been in touch with. And, uh, yes, I I think there's a sort of a a shared sense of uh, working the same people and talking to the same people in the State Department and the Department of Justice uh, in the national security, uh, group and in the White House, uh, and obviously with, uh, representatives like Representative Stevens and, uh, Senator Peters and so on in, uh, in the Michigan, uh, delegation. Um, so we are, we are touching the same people. Obviously the Reeds would work with the Texans, but, um, yeah, I, I think that there is a, uh, there's both a, a, uh, shared support system where we're all in this together, as well as sharing tips about how to, you know, maybe put pressure in the same places so that we are starting to get some action. But. I do think generally the U.S. government has been very supportive of bringing all of these American citizens home. Uh, They just haven't been able to figure out a good way to do it, and the Russians haven't necessarily been motivated to do it. So, again, going back to the sanctions, I think that may be the motivation uh, that helps to lever Paul and Trevor and Brittany and uh, any American citizens who need to be brought home.
4: At some point, there's going to be talk of negotiating a settlement agreement to end this war. Do you think it's possible that the release of Americans held in Russia could be a part of that agreement?
0: I don't think so. I think uh, the U.S. government and the Russian Federation continue to operate on many different uh, wavelengths, uh, whether it's uh, the International Space Station or cybersecurity or nuclear weapons. Um, So the the Ukraine invasion is obviously a a terrible thing, and and I hope it does get resolved, but I think if it does get resolved, it's on a separate track from anything that would have to do with, with Paul's release.
3: Gas prices have soared to well over $4, setting all-time records due in large part to the conflict in Ukraine and contributing to the worst inflation we've seen in 40 years. How bad will it get here in metro Detroit and how expensive will everything else become? Patrick Dehan from Gas Buddy with Paul W. Smith.
6: I think we're all going to see over $5 a gallon. In fact, why do we see in the news when they're showing us from around, we're seeing $6 and $7 a gallon gas elsewhere.
2: Yeah, yeah. Uh, areas, areas of California, California that's, that's going to be normal. normal. Um, it could even happen here in Chicago. But, Paul, I'm, I'm pretty hopeful uh, that the average in Metro Detroit is, by the way, what I say, 74 cents a gallon lower than that $5 mark. I'm pretty hopeful that we're not going there. I don't see anything in the pipeline that tells me Detroit's going to get to $5. It's not impossible that who knows what Putin does down the road that that could happen. But for today, I'm telling you I see no reason that Detroit is going to get there. We'll go up maybe 450. It wouldn't surprise me if stations start going up to say 449, but at least right now there's nothing coming down the pipeline of $5. Like I said, that could change. But well, at least hope, at this moment that's where I
6: stand. I hope you're right and as I like to say at a time like this, frankly, Patrick, from your lips to God's ears. I'm hoping that we don't see that $5 mark. I am hoping. But we're hearing, too, that, of course, since something like 72% of goods are shipped by truck, we're going to have big increases by anything that's shipped by truck, and gasoline and oil products are all shipped by truck to the gas stations. And uh, that goes along with the other effects of the Putin effect, and now the, the... Proclamation from the president banning the importing of any Russian energy into the United States—oil, natural gas, anything. Yeah. So it's it's not a prescription for a, a a a good smooth ride, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's right. And and the situation does continue to escalate. It does not seem we're at the point yet of de-escalation. And one more thing, while we're at it, too, watch those airfares. Because the wholesale price of jet fuel also yesterday rose 54 cents a gallon. And that's maybe why, you know, if anyone has any of those stocks of the big airlines, U.S. airlines, the the big ones, the Deltas, American, United, do not hedge uh, or they've cut their hedges. Uh, And I don't believe either any of those three have any hedges, meaning they're fully exposed or the rising price of jet fuel. The cost of filling up a triple seven three hundred rose twenty three thousand (laughs) dollars yesterday
6: Wow! oh my goodness that's that's a lot of money that they've got to make back but you know it's funny you say hedge because seems to me patrick dehan with his head of petroleum analysis gas buddy um that airlines used to like sign these futures contracts and uh and they'd say yeah well the prices have gone up, but luckily we bought our futures contracts, so we don't have those extra expenses. You're saying they stopped doing that?
2: It it's ex, it's it, it is extremely pricey, and a lot of the airlines, uh, you know, that it depends on the trader. I mean, you you can really get hurt with those long term contracts. You remember back in 2014, a lot of airlines did hedge. When the price of oil was $100, and you remember what happened in 2015? Oil prices fell to what? I think it was $50 a barrel. And guess what? Then you're stuck overpaying oh, yeah. for jet fuel. So it can years. work
6: both. It's a double edged sword, as they say.
2: It, it, it is. But I'll, I'll say this a lot of European airlines, amazingly, uh, Ryanair has hedged 80% of its jet fuel at $80 a barrel. What a move!
3: The international sporting community is banning Russian national teams and athletes from international play in protest of Vladimir Putin's unprovoked invasion of Ukraine. But what about professional athletes who aren't necessarily representing their country? There's a small but growing call to ban Russian athletes from the NHL. Dan Milstein is a Ukrainian-born refugee and an agent for a number of Russian-born NHL players. He lends his unique perspective to Guy Gordon.
1: I am a political refugee from the former Soviet Union. I came to the United States uh, TO DETROIT WITH ONE SUITCASE AND 17 CENTS 30 YEARS AGO IN 1991. Um, SO I AM EXTREMELY um, uh, UNHAPPY uh, WITH EVERYTHING THAT'S HAPPENING RIGHT NOW. MY CHILDHOOD HOME WHERE I LIVED FOR THE FIRST 16 YEARS OF MY LIFE IS BEING BOMBED. ON THE RECORD, I AM AGAINST THE WAR, uh, BUT I'M HERE TO TALK ABOUT uh, THE RUSSIAN hockey PLAYER. SO I'LL BE MORE THAN HAPPY TO TAKE YOUR QUESTIONS.
4: Okay, well, and, and that was where we were going. But I, I just imagine that this is—it's a, certainly a difficult uh, position that that you're put in. Tell me what your players are saying. These Russian players that you that you represent, if they could speak publicly, if they were free to speak publicly, and they are here in the United States, but there may be some peril involved in that. What would they say?
1: Just for the record, none of my clients, and I have over forty NHL contracted players. Uh, predominantly Russians Belarusians. Uh, they want the world peace they do not want the war they don't support war uh, at all and uh, and uh, so unfortunately they've been put in, um, in 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 a bad situation here in the United States that but not only the players but we're talking about you just mentioned the Northwood University's uh, uh, president look if, if times were different, the very same guy would be in my office right now begging for a donation, and five minutes later for him to go say that. So let me talk about the Russian hockey players. They are a contributing members to our society. They pay millions of dollars in taxes. They support various charities here in the United States and abroad. And once again, my players do not support the war, and they want the peace. I personally, after um, uh, I've done many TV appearances over the last two weeks, the Mm -hmm. TSM had me on, uh, and a professor of 34 years, political science professor in Texas, uh, went to the extent of finding me on LinkedIn and using his verified account and sent me a note saying that I am a disgrace to Ukraine and I should go back to F in Russia. The things are getting out of control.
4: Give give me a sense of what the the players that you represent the the Russian players what they are hearing, if not from the stands, because I understand that, that that especially Washington Capitals Ovechkin that the the fans there seem to be very supportive of him, but it's those that may not be NHL fans are still throwing an awful lot of invective uh, at these players. Give us a sense of what they're hearing, and there I mean there's been some some threats made as well.
1: Well, my clients have received numerous threats online and also in person. The wives of my clients, uh, after posting pictures of their, of their newborn kids, uh, get messages uh, and public posts such as Nazi baby, die, go back home. Uh, some of my clients on the street have been stopped and, and confronted in their face. Now, these are the very same people that just a short time ago were sending private messages say after the certain guys have had won the Stanley Cup saying I'm gonna name my kid after you you're the greatest thing that ever happened to me to my family and to this town and in the very same DM the, uh, they basically wish them that come on guys also in Canada you have well let's talk the hashtag the once a year that everybody feels that the mental um, uh, illness is a big thing and everybody feels to put a hashtag out there but people you're destroying You're destroying the well-being of the people, of the players, 364 days a year.
4: I think one of the the, the frustrations, maybe, Mr. Milstein, is the fact that they haven't spoken out publicly. You know know the old saying that for evil to flourish, good people must do nothing. Are these players allowing Putin an open field to go unchecked by not speaking out? Don't they have an obligation to do that?
1: There are two things. Number one, you can sit on the couch and you can you can put messages on social media and everywhere else. Or another thing, you can support people that are in need right now. There are. Would you let me ask you? Would you su- would you publicly sit on the couch and and put messages, or would you send money, clothing, and other things and help children in Ukraine right now? Just you can do both. You,
4: you, you could do both, couldn't you?
1: Under certain certain circumstances, yes, but. Some of my clients have family members, close family, back home in Russia. And unfortunately, they can't publicly speak or say certain things.
4: Have they heard threats from the Russian government? Is it stated? Is it implied? Or does it have to be?
1: It doesn't have to be. There are certain laws in Russia that that are being enforced uh, at the moment. And uh, I'll just leave it at that.
3: Baseball is back. Major League Baseball players and owners came to an agreement Thursday afternoon to end the work stoppage and salvage a full 162-game season. Trevor Huth from Bless You Boys breaks it down with Chris Renwick. Uh,
7: I really think the the players holding their ground was amazing in this because uh, really from the start the owners held all the cards and and the players said, okay, we'll we'll lose the games, whatever those fake deadlines that were put out by the, the owners to try to scare the players. I think it was because there's a full 162 game season, no games are canceled Mm -hmm. right now. So those deadlines were kind of just, they just look like scare tactic uh, at this point, but the players held their ground and and now they got a lot of what they wanted. They got their voice heard a lot. I mean, the, the raise in the minimum salary is a 23% increase just for the next year. And that's up to $700,000, which will continue to grow and get up to uh, uh, $780,000 in the final year of 2026 of this uh, five-year CBA agreement. And that's not the only huge increase. Um, The luxury tax threshold, that's way up. And the um, arbitration number is $50 million. It's a $50 million player pool for those pre-arbitration players who could – So, I mean, if they play well, they get more money early on. And that was the biggest Mm -hmm. thing for the players going into this is they want the young guys to be able to make some money earlier in their careers.
8: Well, and another huge sticking point you mentioned was the luxury tax. And, 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 It's not – there is no cap in baseball, but it's essentially a de facto cap because really teams don't want to be at the luxury tax level. They don't want to have to pay extra on top of the $210 million uh, that it was set at previously. So the players took this notion of if we raise that cap uh, at the luxury tax uh, higher, that means that hypothetically – more of the revenues that the, that the uh, owners and teams generate could be passed down to the players through bigger salaries bigger contracts um and in in that initial offering in that 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 first you know uh, last chance offer that the owners put out um, they did raise it by about ten million dollars the players, we knew we we're going to cancel. They, they were going to decline that, which they did. Um, but now this is really up to the kind of levels that they had been asking. So now it's going to go up to 230 million from 210. Um, and then it's only going to grow uh, up to 242 million by 2026. Was This was a huge win for the association, the
7: Players Association. It really was. And uh, it, it honestly, I'm a little surprised because the owner's, Gave in on a lot of money things that it didn't seem mm-hmm. like they were going to. I mean, uh, I, I I don't really know what what changed between them. There's obviously other parts of this this CBA outside of the money, and I think the owners might have gotten what they wanted a lot of uh, in a lot of ways for for those things, including uh, that international draft component that came up mm-hmm. just a few days ago. Uh, that's already been worked out, and of course the expanded playoffs. They got the universal designated hitter. Um, and a few other things to uh, try to stop teams from tanking, getting that top draft pick. There's the there's a six team draft lottery now too. So uh, I think maybe the the owners were just kind of holding out on their part of the money, so they could get the game the way they wanted to, sure. and the players were just like, "That's cool, we'd like more money." So yeah, <laughs> I, mean, I think in yeah. the end, I mean, everybody seemed pretty happy about it. Uh, if if you look at the voting breakdown of it all uh it, it was pretty universal on both mm-hmm. sides from the owners and the players uh, when they went back to their separate camps to, to vote to accept it or not
8: all right so let's talk baseball now so now uh, now the plan is to get these players into spring training mode as quick as possible because you're looking at uh, a, a little less than a month before opening day here in detroit and we're in a situation now where the the tigers uh they've got some young prospects down in the minor leagues p- particularly Spencer Torkelson Riley Green that a lot of people want to see um wh- what are the chances that some of those guys make the move up to the big leagues here um and and how does this team get into that preparation mode quickly
7: well spring training starts on Sunday that's the official uh given date is-, is March 13th so uh they're going to be ramping up for that one and uh, I, I think we're going to see these guys pretty soon. Um, they're both incredibly special talents. Um, I, uh, Especially on Bless You Boys, I, I have a whole article dedicated to how good Riley Green uh, actually <laughs> is. Um, so I, I, I'm extremely you know, high on him and, and what he can do. And the, the Tigers are in a mode where they're making moves or they made moves prior to the lockout in bringing in Tucker Barnhart and bringing in Eduardo Rodriguez and Javier Baez, they want to win. And they have room for both Spencer Torkelson and Riley Green to come up as soon as possible. Now if they, you know, truly think that they're not quite ready for it and they have to wait a little bit that, you know, would make sense. But man, it, it, the other part of this is, is with the lockout with the rookies, you didn't know what the service time manipulation stuff was going to look like. So Mm -hmm. um, there's a, a, full year of service time added to players who finish in rookie of the year voting and top rookie of the year voting and that is in the prospect's favor as well
3: they'll do for Patsui this week for full interviews or anything else you might have missed go to the greatvoice.com see you next time